0: Authorization required. Captain's log. The impossible has happened. Somewhere
1: along this journey, we'll find a way back.
0: Enter authorization
1: code. We might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. Our mission is to go forward. It's just begun. There's still much to do. still so much to learn.
0: Security authorization accepted. Command codes verified. Transfer complete. You're listening to an hour with the Continuing Committee with your host, Charlie Plant. I'm Keith uh, Morris. I'm
1: known on the Psycho Boards as Foreman.
0: On the what boards? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Trek CC boards. <laughs>
1: Hasn't been deciphered for quite a while. So. yeah. I don't
0: think I was ever even on the decipher board either. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So, let me see. I didn't do any. I didn't do any research because I'm a lazy podcaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were on the show before uh, episode something. Do I I don't know what episode you were in. You were on the well, show after. After make it so. <laughs> right. Yeah, you may, maybe it was the Make It So podcast you were on. I thought you were. On oh yeah, with. that's
0: right. I don't think it was an hour with.
1: I thought you were on an hour with, but you were on Make It So podcast, and I'll find the link for that and put that in the show notes. Because, as you said, you won Make It So, and your prize for winning Make It So was to join a design team for a second edition expansion. That expansion is the one that we just announced earlier this week. Uh. Tacking into the wind, so one year out from when you make it, so not quite a year, but you're on the other end of the experience. How was it? Tell us about it.
0: Um, well, I actually designing cards that are going to see the light of day is a little bit more fun, I guess, than uh, <laughs> the competition where you're making, spending all this time making cards that are never going to actually be cards. So, especially. I gotta say, the favorite moment is when you see the art get put onto these cards, and man, that art team is amazing.
1: Yeah, we we have an amazing art team, but they, they really don't, when you're designing, they really don't become real until you get the picture on there.
0: Yeah, that's it, exactly.
1: So um, the Mad Vulcan in the chat room just asked, how much more work was being an assistant designer than you thought it would have been? <laughs>
0: Um, I, I think Make It So prepared me pretty well, actually. Um, like, there, Make It So had deadlines every week, I think it was, and it seemed to be, you know, a meeting every two days or something, trying to get, you know, sets made and do, do the challenge and stuff like that, and, uh, it was about the same. Like, we had a meeting just about once a week, uh, to see where we're at, and some of them were Quick meetings over, you know, half an hour. Some of them were, you know, two or three hour (laughs) long (laughs) things when we had major changes to discuss or when we decided to to scrap the team that we were working on or when we were trying to get them to work in the first place.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you're the one that everybody wants to listen to. I've told design stories over and over again. So just. Talk about, you know, we, we've shown off a half a dozen cards or so at this point, but just talk about how you got involved from, from day one on. You know? Sure. Tell um, us, tell us the story. Well, there was
0: a, it was an interesting thing that I'm looking forward to, uh, working on the next set because I think the whole, a little bit different because, uh, what happened with this set was I, I started uh, working with Brad, um, before, uh, he decided, uh, to, to design his position and as lead designer, so it it was kind of a um, <laughs> at the beginning he was still uh working on uh the, the previous set that came off for Ritzi and uh for attacking him to win and uh he was mostly focusing his attention on there still uh but uh I know he was interviewed in one podcast and uh he mentioned me as being prolific. uh um, <laughs> I basically had, uh, in the designer's boards, uh, pages and pages and pages of just ideas, uh, that were just right off the top of my head. I'm a big fan of, uh, brainstorming. Just throwing ideas out there over and over and over again. So, I figured my job was to just come up with a whole bunch of garbage and then, uh, make Brad uh, look for the, uh, little nuggets that were decent.
1: Turn them into something good. Okay, so, you know, months or so ahead of testing, you were you were just an idea factory. And then, tail end of extreme measures, Brad steps down, he had to go do whatever he had to do. Uh what was that like for you? Transitioning from working for working for Brad to, to essentially working for me at the moment? So
0: Um, well it was Brad hadn't gone really super hands-on with uh, with this set yet, so it wasn't wasn't like I was suddenly changing bosses or anything like that. Uh, Basically, you you came in and you kind of uh, talked about we talked about kind of what you saw the set as doing, and uh, you had a chance to look over some of the ideas that I had spewed out there. Um, I know that would have been tough for you because. uh, could necessarily be following along as I was adding them, so you had pages that kind of go through. So um, uh, once I got a handle kind of on what you were looking to do with the set, it was good. I came up with some new ideas uh, based on you know, the kind of goals that we wanted to uh, accomplish. And uh, I think I suggested a few of the goals that I thought would be interesting
1: in the set. You kind of went along with some of those ideas. Well, you're right. So so prior to Brad leaving, it was basically, this is going to be a set about ships. Right. And then... That was about all we had. <laughs> when, after Brad left and we were like, okay, well, we need to get working on this. We, you were right. We came up with together you know, four or five design goals for this expansion. Um, so let's sort of talk about those and see how we did. Um, the first one, I'm going to pull up the actual list here. And yeah, we had a post where we just listed them all to see how we were doing. Notes my, note to myself, edit this post, edit this part out of the podcast, because it's going to so it be really boring, because <laughs> I didn't prepare at all. I know,
0: I know one of the things that uh, I suggested, actually I suggested to Brad, um he mentioned at one point, he's like, uh, maybe we should think about some missions for this. And I made, I made a suggestion that all the missions should be set all about ships, all the, all the missions should be spaced. I think we went along with that as one of our of uh, goals for the missions.
1: Yeah, one of one of our goals it was. I don't think it was one of the primary goals, but it was definitely a goal was to encourage second space missions. Yeah. Either space planet space or space space planet. So. Right. How do you think we did on that?
0: Um, I think it was since it wasn't a major major focus. There's a few cards in there that kind of promote that a little bit more, you know, doing your space missions. Um, especially there's a few cards that kind of, uh, you, you get a bonus if you got staffed ships at the mission, and which is a lot easier if you're, you know, attempting a space mission because your people are on the ship staffing it. So I think that helps a lot. And then there's a, there's a couple more cards in there. I think that's something I continue to encourage. in think that's probably, probably, probably need a little bit more of a
1: Right, I I think what you you yeah the 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 several of the ships are while the ship is staffed you get some sort of benefit or, or there are a couple of personnel that say while well, this personnel is attempting a mission if there's a staff ship here so it's just going to be naturally easier to use those at space missions. Um, right. There's a couple of personnel, one in particular that was added late late in the process to even more directly encourage. Doing multiple space missions, so
0: yeah, he's kind of an obvious. Hey, do more space missions.
1: Yeah, it's 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 not subtle. He's not subtle at all. But uh,
0: okay, okay, his character on the show wasn't very subtle either. So
1: <laughs> that's true. Right, true. Uh, and he will be very useful in that the the deck that has already gotten some talk. So, um, all right. Well, he was. Well, one of the goals. <laughs> one of the goals ended up with just one card. And and I don't want to talk about it too much because we're not haven't spoiled the card yet. But um, it was probably one of the more controversial cards in the set in that I know what you're talking about already. (laughs) Everybody hated it, like just just passionately hated it. And there was gloom and doom predictions from all of the playtesters, ranging from uh, this will ruin the game to this will only allow two decks to exist. And as People got more and more looks at it, and we made more and more. T- I mean, this card was almost cut about four times, but uh, it had a very it had a couple people who were very passionate advocates for it, and I think we finally got it to a good place. But it's the card is called Insurrection, and yeah, that, one, that took, took a bit of work to get it <laughs> without without talking about what it does because we'll save that for revealed day. It, it addresses one of the goals of our expansion, which was to make quote unquote easy missions more difficult. Yeah. So what's an example of an easy mission out there? What were we trying to target? Oh uh
0: well, you know, something like Survey New World shows up all the time and uh ridiculously easy for some affiliations to do, especially like uh you know, the strength greater than twenty eight or something like that. It's super super easy. Um, Really, I think if you ask anybody, an easy mission is anyone that has pretty low attributes on it.
1: Low attributes and, and decent points, yeah.
0: Yeah, and decent decent amount of points for the low attributes, but the uh, yeah. skills, you can get skills. Like you can put a lot of skills on a uh, mission. People will probably still go after it if it have a, a low attribute. So,
1: those were sort of our two secondary goals, and then we had three bigger goals. Uh, The first of which was to encourage the use of big ships. Yep. And and the feeling was, one of the things we asked early on was, why would I ever use the Sovereign when I can use the Excelsior? What was that? I said exactly. So, what kind of stuff is in here... To encourage the use of big ships, and how did it come about? I mean, what was the design process for it?
0: I think uh, a lot of those. You were kind of the lead on on that uh, that angle. Um, I think most of them come out as sticks. Um, you know, you're going to punish your opponent if he's not using uh, the the bigger ships. Um, but there are a few carrots as well. We'll give yourself a bonus for using the big ship. So, you get a little bit of both of those.
1: Right. And the, the one card I know that's been spoiled out there is uh, Rush Job. It's the one that it could potentially stop up to three people if you're not using the right kind of ship. So.
0: Yeah. And that was one, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I had, you, you posted it one time in one of the versions, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, that's an awesome dilemma. So I'm just, uh, you get those nice surprises sometimes when when you post something that we haven't even talked about, kind of, maybe this work and it just shows up, and then, and then I get kind of excited when you see a like that.
1: Yeah. So uh, in addition, we, we've we've put some big ships in here too. Um, not not every ship in the expansion is a big ship, and, and we're defining big ship as four or more staffing icons. One of which is a gold star. Okay. So, uh, we put in a couple, um, we put in some, some neat stuff. The, 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 one of the missions, um, ha, is, is definitely going to be popular in decks that have easy access to big ships.
0: Yeah. Now I'm no about it a little, little bit different. We'll the look at the staff and
1: yeah, it targets something differently, but, but most of the things that it's going to hit are going to be on big ships.
0: Yeah, even wanna bring the big ships. So
1: so how do you how do you push people to using big ships without totally punishing, say, Starfleet and Bajorans and uh, Maquis?
0: Yeah. Well and I, I, that was definitely a concern that we were looking at. You know, the, the making cuts. so like Rush Job is a good example that it one of the things is having four or more staffing icons but a fight by, by uh, punishing ships that don't have command icons that at least gives uh, a little bit of hope to, well, especially Starfleet. Um, they can get around anything that requires command icons because that's all their ships require. Um, it, it, and the other thing that I like about looking for those uh, command icons is uh, the Borg. You know, yeah. a little bit of a punch in the face once in a while, so just to keep them in line, and, uh, they have a hard time finding command, though, you they sure.
1: They sure do. Now, that kind of leaves the Bajorans in the lurch, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, the Bajorans, uh, have some issues with that. They did go one kind of big ship, but, uh And they didn't necessarily need to get hit, but it's one of those issues where, you know, it does so much... Good for the rest of the game. Is it okay to, you know give the, uh joins a little bit of hurt on that? And to be fair, that's kind of one of the Bajorans, What what's supposed to be kind of one of their weaknesses in you know, design is that they don't have the good ships. So anything that's going to you know hammer ships is going to hammer on the so So um, outclassed. I don't know if they have much of the class by outclassed. they really well.
1: There's, the, there's static the, assembly. There's the Batane, but yeah nobody, yeah, nobody ever uses that ship, so. Um, one of the goals was to give everybody, every we use the word faction loosely to mean uh, affiliation and sub-affiliation, uh, give everybody a ship and a captain. Did we hit that goal?
0: Oh, well, we came pretty damn close and we didn't get them all.
1: I, I think there are two that we left out. Uh, yes. One yeah, left out because. Action. Well, you know, let's 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 we can we've we've danced around a little bit in the Q and A's. Who doesn't get a ship or a captain? Well, uh, yeah. Or do not
0: get a ship or a captain.
1: And there's one other, which is Tarraknor. Tarraknor as well, yeah. Everybody else gets a, 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 well, uh uh well. Yeah, everybody else gets something they can play to their headquarters. Yep. Um, Terek Nor we left out because there weren't a lot of options to give them.
0: I think that's part of the reason the Borg as well. It's difficult to come up with unique ships for uh, some affiliations, and you could maybe give them another non-unique ship, but uh, they didn't really
1: need that kind of thing. Now the the Borg do get something interesting. Just uh assimilate starship, do you want to talk right. about this card a little bit?
0: Well, that was kind of uh when I was looking at the you know the flavor of the board one of the one of the boards that is is using your card against you so I was trying to come up with a way of taking an opponent's card and using a ship somehow using the opponent's ships against them, and I figured, well, we have this <laughs> a mission that can assimilate people from style so. If you have those extra ships in your, your discard pile and you're not using them, maybe the board is going to say, "Well, if you're not going to use it, I'm going to use it." Um, um, one of the <laughs> a fun combos somebody talked about was, "If your Phoenix gets ends up in your discard pile, well, you're going to need ten more points to the game.
1: Now, did it, how tell tell us some stories about assimilate starships design and development? Was it always a mission?
0: Um, no, there was, at one point it was at an event, that it was looking similar to Proof but uh, it was really difficult to balance the power of that card. Uh, it came close but every time it would, you know, it would either swing to too powerful or now it's useless and I would never spend as much time as trying to assimilate the ship. So. We decided to uh, simplify things a little bit by by not attacking ships that were in play. Uh, but maybe we the, the district
1: well, yeah, I I think you're understating your importance in the printing of this card because it was pretty much we'd pretty much killed it.
0: That's true. We we had cut it. I, don't, I think I had had this idea a long time ago. Something about you know, uh, uh, well. Yeah, you have a ship or a mission that takes a person out of a discard pile? Why not a mission that takes a ship out of a discard pile? It was interesting, the playtesters, when they went to playtesting, too, it was kind of some of the similar comments that are going around the board that, well, the Delta Quadrant mission, why would the board ever play a Delta Quadrant mission when you can get five points from the annexation drone? So, um, but uh, I, I think it might... People that are thinking that way I might be underestimating the, the two
1: spam. And it's you know, it's, as has been pointed out, it's useful for the Borg sphere too. Yep. You no know?
0: It's pretty it's pretty it's a pretty easy mission for the forty points really to
1: the end. Yeah. It, it, and I know it was at one point in the file, it was an alpha mission and it was just still too good and I think I really wish I could remember, you know, but the, the team worked well together in making that mission, saving that event and turning it into something interesting for the board. even though they don't get a ship and a commander and we tried it's, it's not like we didn't try yeah, to give them something we looked at
0: we looked at a couple of things to try and um, we even looked at doing a new version of one of their unique ships but um, they just weren't working out really well one of the things that really annoyed me was the board queen that already says that she's the matching commander of any ship that she's on that would have been Perfect for this set. But was yeah,
1: she was already out there.
0: Yeah. So.
1: Okay, uh, another goal was to bring back some underplayed deck types. One, we got some good stuff here. Yeah, one of those has already been hinted at, which is the Voyager's Force Space deck. Um, they're getting two or three pretty, pretty tasty cards to chew on. What other kind of decks were we looking to bring back?
0: Um, well the, Playman, the Klingons has been getting kinda of shafted in the last few sets, so uh one of the things I always figured is just because you have a powerful mission doesn't mean we shouldn't get anything. So uh trying to bring back one of their old strategies into the mix.
1: Yeah. Um, go look yeah. at Klingon events from Premiere. And one of those is going to be pretty useful with the, the Klingons. No, that's kids. from Premiere? I'm pretty sure it's from Premiere. Yeah. But it's going to be pretty useful post-tacking. Um, but you're right. We, we sort of set us a goal with this expansion of saying we haven't given the Klingons anything in like a year and a half. We have to give the Klingons something. But we didn't want to make just a really good Klingon... Captain and ship that could go in every top level Klingon deck. And, uh, I I think you and I did a good job at coming up with a a Klingon set of cards that make you, are gonna make you wanna build a different deck.
0: I think that's, that's where the whole bring back some old deck types kinda started even. Was that we said, hey, we wanna put something for Klingons in here, but we can't, you know, keep adding to their arsenal. So, maybe bring back something, one of their old types, and then we figured, well, maybe we should do that for some of the other
1: affiliations, too. Yeah, uh the Romulans are getting, the, the, the Romulans aren't getting so much an old deck type brought back, but sort of uh more tools for a potential Romulan deck that's been out there that never has really developed.
0: Yeah, it's one of their, you know, strategies that they have. that They just don't have enough stuff for it to be viable, but... Uh, we gave him a couple more tools for that, and we will see
1: how it pans out. Yeah, go look at uh, Romulan cards, and I want to say Call the Arms for your clue there. Um, a, a deck type that's very near and dear to my heart is Dominion Infiltrators. They get a little bit of love. Yep. Uh, do you... Obviously,
0: uh, Starkly Mirror Universe is getting a little bit of love.
1: Yeah, I'm, I think... Well, so somebody had asked in, in the in the Q&A what card was in the to-do list the longest, and I have to think it's that one, because... I,
0: I think people have been waiting for that one forever. And then the fact that, you know, I tried working on a version of it during Make It So, and I think I actually pitched the version that our team had, had made in Make It So first, and then there was some issues with that, so... But people have been waiting
1: for that for a long time, and we already had a really great image picked out. So yeah, and I said this briefly, but when we were working on this, we were breaking out this set. I I texted Brad. I I still talk to Brad quite a bit, and I said, "Was there a reason you never made Starfleet Mirror Defiant, Uh, or was it, or did you? I mean, was there an actual reason why you avoided it, or did you just never get around to doing it?" He said, "I, "I just never got around to doing it." Because there's no way any card that we ever made for it would ever be as cool in the game as the ship was on the show. And I was like, wow, that that kind of makes me not want to try to make it, but but we felt like we needed to. And uh, that ship was originally going to have a matching commander that was an AP card. We were going yeah. we to do a promo. I, I won't spoil who it is, but the matching commander of that ship was going to be a new AP. We were going to yeah. sort of do a preview. Um, that idea got killed two or three weeks in.
0: I think we decided that they needed some personnel with game text.
1: <laughs> but that ship kind of languished for a while before, and I think it was you who well, hit. It
0: was, we, that one. I think the final version that kind of came up there was the, the three-way meeting that we had with you, myself, and Brad, that was kind of a, okay, let's go through everything Brad is available to kind of, you know, give us some, some of his his knowledge that he's <laughs> gained over the years on some of these things. And I think we just chatted about that one for five to ten minutes or so, and then suddenly it kind of just came together.
1: Yeah, once once we put the order on it, I think this, the thing became money.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that when we, we decided what that upgrade should do, Like a nice simple destroying event, but it was like destroying an event can be a game changer, and I felt like that was it really fit the the enter the the defiant like when it shows up in the in their universe, it's kind of a game changer, the whole game changes.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I think it's going to be a great card in that deck, and and I think people are going to like it. I think the uh, main issue that
0: we had to then do after that was just deciding how many here are people you had to command before you play them. So. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that changed.
1: So we we sort of had one other goal that somewhat contradicted our big ship goal, and that the goal was to encourage people to play with more ships in their deck. Right, and I
0: think that that was to balance out the, the affiliations that don't have big ships. Right, and say, well, if you can't play big ships, you at least have to play more ships.
1: I think that's fair, but you know, we got some, there was a couple cards that wanted you to have you know a, a ship at the mission. The Galileo grounded says I want a staff ship at my mission, and the the feedback was well that that encourages me to run small ships with little staffing on it, so I can leave as few people as possible. And I'm like, well, you know, not every goal is a hundred percent compatible, but if you're using little ships, you're going to get smacked around by some of the other cards in the expansion. But at least if you're running multiple ships, you're you're doing something that we wanted you to do. You know, you're not just... Yeah, and that,
0: that Galileo Brown's going to be easier. You've got you know, a couple of ships. Like, you've got your big ship and then bring a support small ship.
1: Yeah. So, I have a question here from the chat room, from Jared. He wanted to know, what were you able to do to make this set appealing both to newer players and seasoned veterans?
0: Well, I think the veterans are going to love the, the, the cards that are kind of throwbacks to the whole week. old uh, strategies that you know you wish worked but didn't (laughs) and I think veteran players love that going back through the binder and finding all these cards that that were just binder fodder and maybe now maybe there's finally useful for new players I think we tried to keep the game text pretty simple so that there's not all these kind of Really complicated interactions going on uh, between cards. I think we, we kept that in mind for most of the cards. Obviously, once in a while, you need to use a few more words if you want to have something that a little bit more <coughs> interesting. But the team, for example, like their the abilities are simple. They'd be a great team to teach somebody how to play the game on.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think that we made a conscious effort. To make things, uh, I won't say simpler, but the 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 word in the industry, quote unquote, is elegant, meaning you're saying what you need to say with just the right number of words and not any extra complexity. Um, you know, there there are definitely some cards like you said that have six lines of game text, but there are also a couple of li- a couple of cards that have two two lines of game text. They're just really straightforward, uh, basic cards that you can look at and sort of build a deck around. So. It's. I I think it's interesting.
0: A good a good example is the uh, executive commission. Had a few more things that were going on in that card, and we just kind of pruned it. So it was kind of a simple. Hey, okay, you get cards back from your discard pile, and uh, you need a commander on your ship before.
1: I I think extreme measures was the same way. It it yeah. was a really complicated card that, ended up being pretty simple. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy with how that one turned out. It, it needed one stupid, annoying, ugly gameplay restriction on it, but that was just to avoid some cheese that our, our testers fortunately discovered. So yeah, That
0: was excellent work by
1: the Apex Um, Amber Mitchell wants to know, what card was the most fun to design and work on? And hints are okay if you can't spoil it yet.
0: Well, Talking about Extreme Measures, I, I, I kind of always thought that would be a cool ability to have on a card, uh, to be able to do something like that, um, and uh, that was one where we realized at the last minute that we hadn't put a card Extreme Measures in the uh, expansion and we should maybe come up with something. So uh, I had that floating around in my head, so I think I pitched that one, and it ended up being close to what it was originally pitched <laughs> So
1: that one was uh fun. Um I, I yeah. will say that it, it does follow the tradition of not having anything to do with the source story of extreme right. measures. So yeah. not I'm not even close. So. Um, well yeah. it's it's somebody doing something very extreme, but it's it's not Bashir and O'Brien running around in Luther Sloan's head.
0: So. I know uh um have you talked about that uh, five cost rule dilemma that's in there yet?
1: No, but that one. I don't. No? That one was tough uh, to get cost Yeah, it was fun to,
0: to work on, though, because we knew what we wanted it to do, but trying to get it to do
1: that. Trying to get it to do what we wanted and be playable. You know, exactly. because it went through four or five different iterations of what it costed. And then the rules guys got a hold of it and said, "Well you can't do it this way, you have to do it this way, and that changed things around and I think that it will it'll shake things up from where they are right now you know it it if there were five cards that I could pull out of tacking into the wind and say these are legal for worlds, that would absolutely be one of them that that's that's one of the the meta shake up cards that's in there uh, but yeah. It, I wish I could spoil it for you guys. It's it's we're not well, you know. It's not going to be spoiled until the very end. Um, maybe maybe we can talk about it an- another time. Well, it's too know, I, I know it's
0: there's fun. a five to over
1: <laughs> I think it's five. I don't remember what it ended up. But yeah, I'm looking at the, uh, the. It was five. six for a while, and then it cost three, and then it cost this and that. It has a really it has a really cool uh image on it. It's it's one of the few uh cards that's not directly ship related. It, it's arguably the only one. Um although if you know the episode the story of the episode is built around it's 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 got to do with ships, but it's not a ship on the picture and not ships in the game text or yeah. It's it's gonna be interesting. It's uh
0: I thought the Ferengi stuff was fun to work on too actually.
1: I wish we'd done more with them. I, I don't hate them. I, I think they're in a good place. The, the cycle of cards that the Fringy get, uh, are definitely gonna help them. Uh, and, and they
0: give them something new to do.
1: Yeah. And and a virtual rule. Which, yeah. you know, we haven't had yet. So that'll... That was kinda one of
0: my personal goals was to try and get a virtual rule in somewhere so that when you draft Rega, you could <laughs> draft the rules for him.
1: Yeah, you'd have to get some God Packs to pull that yeah. off. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of
0: luck to do that. But at least uh, if you were playing you know, with, with new players, you can say, well, here, Rekha can actually do something in your deck
1: now. Yeah, and it's a rule that has a, a built-in way to go under your Franginar too. So, um, I think Section 31 this week has a Ferengi spoiler, so if you haven't listened to Section 31 yet, check it out, because I think they spoil one of the Ferengi cards. Uh, I had a lot of fun working on. Well, you know, we didn't talk about the Maquis, when we talked about deck types, and they they definitely get some DMZ love. Uh, whether it's enough or not, I don't know. But the the two Maquis cards, I had a lot of fun working on. Um, yeah, I
0: learned I learned a lot through that process. Maquis has always been kind of the affiliation that I go. I haven't played as much myself with the game. So I didn't have as much insight into, into you know, what they need to, uh, to add to the game, but uh, I think what they got is really interesting actually.
1: Well, it, it, there was in
0: to their flavor
1: there was a cycle of personnel that were sort of split allegiances, right? And and we tried for a long time to make it so that their game text was a hybrid of the two factions that they were related to. Um, one example was uh, Ben Maxwell and the Phoenix. Um, we tried to give them TNG Federation flavor blended with Cardassian flavor. And it worked for a while, it didn't work, and then you know it, it, it tended to go away. But the, the Maquis personnel uh, still has that on there. It still has the Maki flavor blended with the other faction flavor that uh, they're they're sort of in between. It's it's sort of a moment for the character where they're in between two places, and the game text sort of reflects that, and I like it. uh, it It's also an ability they really needed.
0: I really like how it ended up, too, and there was just that last little tiny change that was made uh, that I think finished it off nicely. Yeah, that was another
1: card that had Big rules headaches back and forth trying to get worded right. and We finally got to a happy place with it, but
0: no, there was a bit of balancing issues with it. It allowed people to you know figure out the right numbers to provide.
1: Yeah, the right strength. So, what what was your favorite card to to, to see through? Um, well, I like the uh,
0: the way that I'm gonna go ahead and name it: cloak and dagger. Um, kinda of turned out in the end. Yeah. That was one that I, I think I fixed the original kind of idea and then it definitely got issues with the original idea, but it's in the same spirit of the original.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was too good and then it was too terrible and then it was really too good and then it found a happy place. Um yeah. it it it's it's you're gonna write an article on that coming up later in the in the spoiler season, but it uh it's going to be really useful for one deck in particular, well, two decks in particular. So,
0: yeah, there's there's some interesting uses that as I've been thinking about what I want to write in the article that uh, it'll show up uh, in a few decks I think once in a while.
1: So, oh, I definitely think so. You and I have been going back and forth through the Q and A thread, answering questions. Are there any questions in here that you wanted to expand on more than you did in text?
0: I think I kind of covered a lot of them in there. I've been uh, pretty proactive in trying to keep up with that because I probably could probably get away with it pretty quick. It's, it, it's, it's tough for me sometimes. I'm trying to decide, you know, how do I answer this question without giving away the whole store kind of thing?
1: Absolutely. You know what's surprising me? Nobody's really talking about christening.
0: That's, I noticed that too, actually. That nobody you know, brought it up. I think it's because it's such a simple Card, but it's gonna have
1: some big impact, I think. Yeah, it, it's if you're playing Voyager, that should be in your deck times you know three almost. I That's would say. That. <laughs> At least two. Um,
0: it's quite often gonna give Voyager one extra turn, and one extra turn can win a game.
1: Yeah. Well, it it, it, it even so, I mean, worst case scenario is you play that on your first turn. To get voyager instead of waiting to your order phase and then that's less counters that you have to, to waste you know yeah and it, if
0: you pick up pick up the other ones later on well just uh discard them in the order and turn them into voyager you don't have to actually pay for them
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: the thing i liked about that one is it it, it, uh, it helps decks that kind of depend on that one ship you know, if, you're, if you're basing your kind of whole deck around this one cool, unique ship, but if you don't draw it, then the whole deck falls apart. It lets people focus a little bit more on one ship as kind of the main ship in
1: their deck. Cool. So, talk about how we were changing cards. You know, there are any interesting stories about disagreements that you and I had or you and I and Brad had, or that we had with the testers, or you had with the rules, is there any card that you felt you had to fight for, you know, share some interesting stories from development, not, or, you know, play testing. Of, of well, I know of
0: the, 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 one of the big things was the whole uh, hate issue, <laughs> um, when uh, hate, we realized hate had an issue because it was triggering off hidden um, status changes. So then trying to prevent other cards from doing the same have the same problem and triggering off of hidden things that are actually hidden from your calling. Uh a lot of the cards got really worried. <laughs> and uh, I am glad that we kind of figured out a way to bring them back to, to reality because, you know <laughs> one of the personnel that right now I think it's just one one cent of the game tech was you know, I think the whole thing was filled up with just trying to have this really simple ability, but trying to make it so that it didn't trigger you know, while it was hidden.
1: Yeah, that was a good good collaboration between rules and design. So kudos to, to Keller and and uh, his guys for working with us to make that you know not terrible. <laughs> um,
0: I think I think it helped when we when we kind of realized that the problem wasn't. Was really that the card was triggering you know, something that was hidden and probably should have never been had that as a trigger, which I think
1: we'll all keep in mind for, for future design. Yeah, it's on the rules li- list now, so. The, the unwritten rules? Yeah, we we have a, a thread in the design forums. Yeah. It's unwritten rules that are essentially mandatory and, and that's on there now, so. No hidden status changes. To that. So, or nothing triggering on hidden status changes. You can have them, you just can't trigger it.
0: The other thing that was pretty cool was uh, the, uh, the program that we have now for, for working on cards going to make. It only came in kind of, maybe not even halfway, more like 75% of the way through the uh, development on this set.
1: But... I think it was earlier than that. I, I, I don't remember, we didn't get fully featured developed until later, but... Yeah, what what we're talking about, I know it's been mentioned, is uh, we have a, we have a program now. It's called Utopia Planitia that we use for all of our, actually all three of our design and development teams are using it. So one e, two e, and Tribble, they're all using it now. Um, that it's sort of a, a revision history, uh, project management system where designers can write cards and update cards. Uh, we can make the play, the PDFs for playtesters, which I know Johnny. Appreciates because that's you know five hours a week he gets back. Um, the rules, that guys, it also gives
0: us and gives us a little bit of extra time when we we're developing. One of the issues was, you know, well, we have to have these changes ready to go to art so that art can do the changes to the play cut this file. So, kind of, I think it ends up giving us an extra day to kind of make provisions for, yeah, because
1: we had to meet Monday night to get the changes to art so that we could get the file on Wednesday. Now we can. Be making change, discussing changes all the way through Wednesday morning. It's, it's nice, and it also
0: makes it easier to discuss changes back and forth. We can leave a little message on there, and then when you have time, you log on and you send a message back. All uh, you know, each individual card has its own kind of little place put messages, so we can discuss them individually. And it and it flags them every time someone makes a new comment, so I can see. Oh, Charlie wants to
1: discuss this.
0: We don't necessarily need to. Sit down and have three or four hour meetings.
1: Yeah, I I could talk about cards all day, but uh, yeah, it's not always efficient to do that. So, for example, the the really nice thing is that it gives us a full revision history. So I I went back and looked at assimilate starship, and it was version uh, D. Oh, that's a lie. Sorry, Uh, version G when it became a mission. So. We start with A, and each week it's a different revision. So you know, six weeks in, the card was on the bubble, and we we turned it into a mission, and uh, it got a few more changes. But pretty much, once we hit it as a mission, it uh, it stayed the way it was, and it was you know the testers grumbled and didn't like it, Uh, but they came around eventually, seeing the seeing how you know. And the thing here's another thing. There's been this expectation recently. That everything needs to be self-contained. Right. right. That everything, we're, if we're going to put in uh, a Delta Quadrant board card, we need to put in all the Delta Quadrant board cards at the same time. And I certainly understand that mentality. And I think there are cases when you need to do that. Uh, I also think that there are cases where you can very successfully sort of foreshadow. Um, the one I like to use is we made Nathan Samuels, Starfleet, two or three expansions before we made the Enterprise Square People, but they worked perfectly together. So Nathan Samuels, I remember when he came out, everybody was like, this is terrible. How would I ever use him? And then he was made and put in that set, knowing we didn't know what the Enterprise Square People's exact mechanic was going to be or what their ability was going to be, but we knew they were going to be non-humans, and we knew that he would work with them. So a similar starship might be a lone Delta Quadrant mission for the Borg. It doesn't mean that we're never going to make more stuff for Delta Quadrant Borg. In fact, I'm almost positive we are. It's just, it's also not a high competitive card either, you know. And that's I think that's something that you and I talked about midway through this expansion that that uh, peak, peak performance and extreme measures were very like expert level. Yeah. That they're very these are advanced players only type expansions. And this one, we made a conscious effort to bring it down to sort of intermediate level where there's, there's some advanced cards in here, but there's also some, uh, very local, casual, fun, friendly deck cards. And I think Assimilate Starship for now falls into that category, but it doesn't mean it can't be developed further.
0: And I think that's always in my mind because I'm trying to build a, a group, like a play group here. And so, I'm kind of thinking about these guys that I'm trying to recruit. What kind of cards do I think that they would pull them into the game? And, and, uh, you know, that would be simple, yet, you know, fun enough to keep them interested kind of thing. So that's always in the back of my mind, I think, when I'm designing cards right now. So that that helps keep
1: that in the set. Yeah. So one last topic I want to ask you about. Uh, let's talk about teams. it has been there has been an accusation against you oh. that you came in and killed off Gooey's Dominion team. Wow, I'm totally kidding. They, they no, were so no, Nobody said that. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, Gooey's Dominion team is not in this set. But oh. Little 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 context. Nathan Miracle Gooey Chewy, was a runner up. Uh, no, he he won the the team challenge and his team was going to be put into an expansion and it was originally sort of tentatively scheduled for this one. Once we knew that this expansion was going to be all about ships it was pretty clear that his team wasn't going to fit. So I went to him after Brad stepped down and I said look, I want to make your team, we're still going to make your team but can I push it in the expansion back? And he said sure. So the Dominion team will be coming in number 25. (laughs) But does that mean that we don't have a team in tacking?
0: Well, there's a team in tacking.
1: But it's not the team that you wanted to do to start with?
0: No, we started working on one team, and, uh... Well,
1: you know, what team did you... What team did we start with?
0: Well, I started with, uh, the, uh, TNG, needed the team. And, uh, from Make It So, I had worked on, uh, Riker and the Gang from the, uh performance episode, um, and the name of the ship is blown out of my head right Hathaway. now. Hathaway. Hathaway, yes. So the Hathaway group. And frankly, I was actually, by the time we dropped on board, pretty happy with the way that they were working. Um, one, of, one of the reasons that I thought they would be good is it's tough to design a team when you have the restrictions kind of, that they have to be related to ships. So they all have to kind of maybe reference the ship, or the ship has to reference them somehow. Um, And what ended up happening is it ended up being too much like uh, Equinox and the the joint Resistance Team because they have their ship kind of tying the whole team together. Uh, So we decided they were a little bit too much like previous teams, and it was more, more of the same old stuff. They had a slight twist on them, which I thought was enough, but the uh, play was definitely not that was
1: enough of a change for the other
0: two
1: uh, teams. So they went through f- three or four weeks of testing, and then we had to kill them, and that left us with a gaping hole. So what's the team in Tacky? You want to say which affiliation the team is? Yeah, what affiliation are they?
0: It's
1: Cardassi, most. Oh. We've got an article coming on them. Maybe, I would say most, yeah, I would say almost entirely. There's just, yeah, a non-Kardashian card that works well with them. Yes, yeah, exactly. And they all have to do with ships. Um, uh, I think we'll leave it at that and let the speculation run wild. Maybe uh, talk about it here a little bit more in another week or two. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. Why don't you go ahead. And let us spoil the non-unique. Okay. The non-unique. Uh, do you have him in front of you? Yep. All right.
0: This this is fun because this was my first uh, make up a name of a character moment as a designer.
1: So this is twenty four V twenty eight, and I'll turn the mic over to you to spoil him.
0: Okay, uh, he is a Cardassian, uh, affiliation personnel with two costs. He's non-unique, and his name is Tugat. Uh, he's got a staffing icon, Cardassian species, geology, medical, officer, transporters. His stats are straight fives, five integrity, five kind and of five strength. And then he's got some game text. When you discard a ship from hand,
1: no, that that's old. That's you have the older version. Sorry. Oh, I have an old version. Yeah. Uh, he got okay. updated in the last. Sorry. Oh.
0: <laughs> do you have Do you have the new version?
1: There? Yes, I do. Okay, uh, you might as well read it. While this personnel is attempting a mission, he had to change to a while because as a when you can only use them once. Right. So, while this personnel is attempting a mission, if you discard a ship from hand. You may reveal him to make him attributes plus one until the end of the turn. Limit plus four. So, limit plus four means you
0: could become nine, nine, nine.
1: Yeah, pretty easily you could have a nine, nine, nine. And you could have three of them running around in your cadets. Yeah, out figure out
0: a way to discard four ships from your hand. Yeah, line.
1: gee, I wonder how that could possibly happen. Sounds like a mechanical link for a team to me. So there you go, speculative card list makers. Figure out what Cardassian team involves discarding ships.
0: I like that we made it difficult by giving them the name of a character that we just made
1: yes. up. This is a guy that we made. Oh, his lore is... Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Any last last hints or spoilers or comments you want to make on tacking into the wind? Um, there's uh, a lot of
0: people with leadership. That is true. I remember going through one time, and I think at one point, every personnel has leadership in the whole entire But You know, that's going to happen. You've got a lot of commanders and ships. Five, six, seven, eight,
1: nine, ten, eleven. Eleven personnel have leadership, and I think only, like, four don't. So
0: (laughs) The the other thing that I noticed, I was chatting in the the chat room with some guys, and I noticed that uh, for all those speculative card list makers out there, the letter X shows up in a lot of card titles. shows up eight times. Really? Yeah.
1: think you going to make me go count.
0: Well, I counted it three or four times. <laughs> to make sure. There's
1: one. Uh,
0: some, some of them have been spoiled, actually, already. We've got the Phoenix Executive
1: Commission. Yeah, and we talked about one in the podcast. Yeah. I think we talked about at least two in the podcast. Oh, Benjamin Maxwell is an X. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we've talked about several of them. Wow, that's a lot of Xs.
0: (laughs) We talked about about one of them without naming him.
1: Yeah. There are a lot of Xs in this.
0: (laughs) So, it was funny, because I was in the chat room, I said, hey, guys, pick one letter of the alphabet, and I'll tell you how many times it shows up in cards, and I picked X. It's a surprise. Wow.
1: Cool. Well, thanks for being on the show again. Okay. Sure. That's uh, stay tuned to the designer Q&A for more answers to your questions. Uh, look for Foreman's article about some cloaky, shadowy stuff coming. And look for an article on the front page about our new Cardassian team. Uh, don't forget that you can see about a dozen cards each at all three of our Continentals. Uh, starting with Australian Continentals next weekend and then North American and European Continentals in July and the expansion will release Friday, August 5th, same day as uh, Gen Con is getting underway so thanks for being on the show, Foreman and uh, thanks for being such a delight to work with on developing this expansion Sure,
0: I'm looking forward to you the next one
1: Absolutely, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week let to make sure history never forgets the name, Enterprise, got out.